Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Neil Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host, Craig, and I recently had the pleasure of chatting to actor Houston Stevenson, star of A Predator Returns or Stalker's Prey 3, whichever you prefer. We talk about getting in touch with his inner serial killer, having fun with the horror genre, and so much more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm delighted to be joined here by Houston Stevenson, star of the upcoming, or by the time you hear this, it'll be already out, movie on Lifetime, A Predator Returns. So welcome aboard. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. It's slightly rainy in Scotland, but that's nothing new. It's on my bucket list to get over there soon. I love Scotland. I'm a, I'm a fan of the rain, so I would like to <laughs> get over there soon. I prefer it to the heat, actually. I can't function in extreme heat. I'm in the right country, I think. Your neighbor over, I have a lot of Scandinavian background, so my genetics are used to the cloudiness and the and the rain as well, especially Vancouver, where I'm here now, is primarily, say, nine months of the year is pretty much rain. So <laughs> I guess you get attuned to it. A little depressing after a while, but you, it, there's a coziness to it, I suppose, you jump into. Yeah. So let's just start talking about you, because this is what this is all about. This interview is all about you. So... What made you get into acting and how did you get your start? What was the kind of process that led you to what you're doing now? I suppose since I was maybe four or five, I was just had like an addiction to watching movies and stuff. Like I couldn't get me on an airplane without having my portable little, you know, the things when you were young, Google DVD thing, you put the DVD (laughs) in, you flip up the screen. With the two hour battery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I was constantly watching movies. And then through middle school, I've always used this as an, a- an analogy. I don't know if it's correct, but it's just kind of like my go-to now. But I guess because I lived farther away than most of the kids, I don't know if you know the terminology play date as a kid for yeah. friends coming yeah. over after school school play date. Because I lived far away, none of the parents really wanted to go drive to do that. So my solution, instead of not having a lot of friends because of that, was to basically just watch like a million movies. And so I started just being like, hey, that's kind of what I want to do. And then I guess in high school, I just started getting into theater and plays. And when I hit the 12th grade, which is the last grade here, I decided to get an agent, which I was lucky to get a wonderful lady who's quite a big agent. And it was the first audition she gave me. I actually got the part. I wish I had that luck today. So it's like going into the casino for the first time using your first quarter and you hit the slot machine and it's like, you know, it just never happens. But it happened for me. And I was really lucky to do that because that kind of started my confidence to say, hey, this is kind of cool. And, you know, if I'm able to get this one, maybe I can do more. And I guess the rest was just kind of history. I'm still kind of doing that and acted in a few projects along the way now. So when you were obsessed with movies, what were your favorite things to watch, particular genres or just whatever you could get your hands on? You know what like the blockbuster video is or like in Canada, we have this thing called Rogers Video before you had all this stuff where you could just rent it on your TV. I had this damn packed relationship with the dude behind the counter. He knew I was way too young to be like watching American Pie or (laughs) Freddy versus Jason, but he let me do it because I was just renting so many movies. He also hated me because I had the most late return fee problem out of anybody in the store. I would never return (laughs) the movies. But I just remember this guy and I would always pray he'd be the one because there was this other girl that worked there. She'd be like, I'm not renting you though. (laughs) Yeah, I liked watching. It started when I was younger with like the scarier stuff, but for kids like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then I started just renting basically whatever I wanted. So it wasn't really so much what I was into. It's just if it was on the shelf, like if there was American Beauty, for example, with Kevin Spacey or something, 
I would be watching it. Or if it was like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'd be watching it. I would just like rent everything. I guess my favorite kind of stuff when I was younger, Pierce Brosnan's my generation with James Bond. So I grew up in that kind of era and Euro trip. All those kind of movies, Tom Green, all those kind of funny, quirky, early thousand movies and stuff. Or The Grinch, obviously The Grinch is one that everybody grows up with. I was getting a bit of a horror vibe from all the films you were saying, and you seem to have done quite a bit of horror in your career as well. Is that something you're going to? <laughs> no, unfortunately, casting was just drawn to me being the horror dude. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm typecast in that way now. I did a horror film, I guess a year and a half ago now that's out. It's cool. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I really loved horror when I was growing up. I remember my grandma who lives in Seattle. She was totally not paying attention to me at the time when I was at her place. She was busy and she's like, oh, here's the remote. And I remember I, I was like, must have been like nine years old. There's a movie called The 13 Ghosts or something like that. It's like super disturbing. It really messed me up, but there was also a part about it like Ghost Ship. I don't know if you've ever seen Ghost Ship that I was like drawn to because it was just like so disturbing but like also so wicked and crazy and awesome so yeah big fan of horror not gonna lie love it yeah it's always good to just drown in the tropes i guess just every horror movie has these types of characters and these situations and all that it can be quite fun to just deconstruct i guess and it must be fun to be part of that as well it was interesting lots of fake blood this movie that's coming out now which is the follow-up to the one I did before, it's the next one that's coming out, is a guy who's like a total serial killer. He doesn't want to be. He wants to be in love with this girl, but she doesn't love him back. And so he basically goes on a killing spree. He can't handle himself. So there's a lot of slight murder in that, but it's very lifetime-y. It's not like a gory horror film. The Fear Farm one that came out last year was basically like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but with comedy. So American Pie meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it is fun because I'm out in this corn field, which is one of the biggest corn mazes in North America. And it's not like a glamorous set. It's dirt everywhere. And I'm like in chicken coops. And I've actually never told this story, but I'll tell it now. While I was doing my stunts, because we had this massive scene coming up with this dulled machete. It was like a real machete, but it was dulled down. We were practicing. So this girl's coming at me, this lady who works at the theme park. You know, it's meant to be the scary maze that you go into. And people are supposed to chase you. Little do we know this, they're actually going to kill us in real life. <laughs> so we had this choreography down where she would swing at me. And I thought she was playing around going to one of those, you know, those playland things where there's a haunted maze and stuff. I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then she's swinging at me. So my choreography is to fall on the ground, roll over. She selects it and it misses me and it goes into the ground. And I rolled over the wrong way. And the machete went right into my forehead. Ouch opened my eyes after being boomed in the head and blood just gushed all down my face. And I was like, oh shit. And everyone's freaking out. Everyone's shutting things down. There's all this words running around. The PAs are running around. Houston's been stabbed in the head with a machete. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. For the rest of the movie, I wore my hair down because there was a massive bump on my head. So if you see the movie, <laughs> the reason the halfway through the movie, my hair is not up anymore and it's down is because I had been hit in the head with a machete. So horror films are fun to shoot in the way that they're a little bit like real life if you're not careful. So the best violence didn't make it into the film, even by the sounds of things. That scene didn't make it into the film, but there's some pretty gruesome stuff that we did. Like, for example, I wake up and I'm on this gurney and she's shaving my leg with a skin peeler, like a carrot peeler. 
I'm supposed to be in a lot of pain and because I'm a weirdo, I like to feel like pain in real life because I don't want fake pain. I got them to put on this really strong electrical tape on my legs so that every single time she shaved, I got one of the guys who wasn't in the camera to just rip it on my legs. So in real life, I'm like, ah, and that kind of gave their reaction in the scene that we were uh, looking for. Just looking through your IMDb page, a couple of things caught my eye. The Descendants franchise, you were in the second and third one. Seems like a reasonable sized Disney project. You worked with Dove Cameron and it seems like kind of a, an interesting project. I haven't seen it, but it seems like quite an interesting concept. What was it like being on set for that? And I know that Dove Cameron's doing a lot right now. She's going to be in Powerpuff Girls, for example, the live action one. Wow. So. She's a sweetheart. Everybody who was on that cast was super nice, especially Cameron, who sadly passed away almost a couple of years ago. I just remember when we weren't shooting. I only had a small cameo in it. The reason I got in that film is because inside of the acting in the past, I was working as a PA on this set. They started getting me to drive the director around and the actors around because I had this car that was new and they needed a driver. And I didn't really even know who the director was. I just had this job because my buddy I went to high school with was like, oh, my dad's a film producer. If you ever want to learn the background behind film, you can come work as a production assistant then in the office. So I was like, oh, that's great. It's a good learning experience. And so they got me to go pick up the director. And I didn't know Kenny was the director of like all the high school musicals. And this is it with Michael Jackson and Hocus Pocus and The Descendants. And so he was like, hey, do you want to be in my movie one day? I was like, yeah, I want to be in the movie. So they gave me a cool cameo in the first and second one. And through the process, I got to learn a ton about how movies are made because I worked with all the different departments, basically doing whatever tasks at hand they needed me to get done. And I also got to meet all the talented actors like Dove Cameron and Cameron Boyce and uh, Sophia Carson Boo Boo Stewart, Mitchell Hope, everybody was really cool, especially Kenny. So it was an awesome experience. And foot in the door with Disney, kind of, that won't steer you wrong later on, probably. Yeah, right after that, I got a series regular role on this Netflix show, but it was kind of Disney-esque, but for kids, kind of same thing as Descendants. It was a show called Project MC Squared where I played this kid named Zach, who was this astronaut. And I remember it was a show full of girls. I was the only guy on the show. So I got picked on and I was like the bully kid. That was kind of my younger show days. That was like three, four years ago now. So yeah, I like I like Disney. I don't know how I ended up going from Disney and kid stuff into hardcore horror and murder, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's just how it's gone. It's a funny old world, yeah. <laughs> it is a funny old world. And you've been on some of my favourite shows ever, actually. iZombie is a show that I absolutely loved, and you were credited as Waspy Guy. Yes, that was like my second time on camera or something like that. That was really fun. This is kind of like when I was just starting acting, and I got another little gig, and I got to play this drug dealer that was selling a drug called You or something like that to the the blonde-haired guy on the show and the two lead guys. I was dealing them drugs, so it was, it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like it would be a, a fun set. The, I mean, the comedy on that was next level. It always had me roaring laughing watching episodes because it just landed so well, I think. I never personally got into the show. I, now that you say that, I want to get into the show. What I thought was cool about it was the location we were filming at was actually in a nightclub that I used to go to with my friends, which was really tough to get into. The bouncer there would always make me wait in the line the longest because he just didn't like me. <laughs> 
one day when they closed the place down and I was walking through it being paid to be there as an actor, I was like, oh yeah, I felt pretty cool. It was like McLovin. I was like, I'm McLovin. I'm in the club now. On the other side of the velvet rope. <laughs> yeah, on the other side of the velvet rope. It was a victorious day for me. And on Arrow, another one of my favorite shows, Private Collins, and you were killed by Gary Chalk, which must be a good sort of nerdy yes. achievement <laughs> to, to be murdered by Gary Chalk. He was so cool. He not only was really nice, but he helped immerse me into that world, especially David Ramsey. That guy's big. And when <laughs> we did the scene where we were just going in with the guns and I get shot and he's pulling me, we had to do that all in one take. I don't know if you've seen the scene, but we had these explosive pressure points in the wall because there's like a grenade that goes up. So it's like a one take wonder. I was quite a fresh actor at the time. I'd never been given a gun, let alone a real gun that had blanks in it before. So I'm trying to look cool. Like they're like, do you know how to do this? Of course I know how to do this. Don't you mess with me. (laughs) But seriously, the inside, I was freaking the hell out. And also we were in this real military gear. So the set was covered in all these lights. I was sweating like a pig. And David Ramsey just comes in. He's like six foot two. And, and as soon as I get shot, he just boom, grabs me like a linebacker and pulls me out. Felt like the real deal and the blanks were shooting like loud. That was probably the funnest I've ever, even if it was like for a couple days of shooting that scene, that would probably be the funnest thing I've ever done. Because it felt like I was actually with the gun shooting and the things exploding and fragments and stuff and other people shooting guns. It felt like for a minute, like I wasn't acting anymore, but I was kind of like, whoa, I'm in a war zone. So that was really cool. And I love Arrow. I've seen a lot of Arrow. Yeah, Arrow's great. It's one of my favourite shows. I still miss it. I wish it was coming back, but all things must end. What prep went into playing a soldier? Did you get training on how to use the guns and how to move and how to do all that? Not at all. No one gave me any prep. I think they expected me to already know it. I watched a ton of uh, cops and SWAT and stuff, and I loved war movies, so I kind of knew the lingo of how they walked to the gun or played a lot of that. What's that Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six stuff? So I kind of copied in my mind of what it would be like to infiltrate into a room and there's like all these terrorists back there. And I'd done a bunch of paintballing and shotguns in the States and stuff. So I knew how to shoot a gun, but there was no training. So I was like, you know, do or die. It must have been great being taken under the wing of Diggle. He's the mentor on the show in a lot of ways. And you got to be mentored by him for a whole episode or almost a whole episode. Yeah, it was pretty badass. It felt really special. And I remember that through the entire duration of me being there, I was like, when should I ask him for a picture? Should I ask him for a picture? I don't know. Like, <laughs> But I ended up doing it. I failed. I was like, hey, can you take a photo of me? He was so cool about it. He took the photo and then he reposted it on his own Instagram. So he was a really sweet dude. I hope to see him more stuff. I know he's doing directing and guest stints and all the out of air stuff coming up or most of it. I didn't know that. That's cool. Batwoman pretty soon, Legends, and you'll be on Superman, I think, as well. He's definitely directing one on Superman. Yeah. Cool. Wow. They shoot so much of that stuff out in Vancouver, primarily the CW stuff, just because the taxes are cheaper in Canada to film rather than in the States. So Vancouver's become a huge hub for shooting. And that's why for me in the past five years of just building up my resume, continuing to get more and more work, It's been a blessing for me as opposed to being in LA because there's just less competition and they're rather going to hire a Canadian actor that has the same talent as an American actor, as long as you sound American. I actually (laughs) lucky I'm dual citizen rather than fly somebody up and then pay for all of that. So 
it takes the competition out of the crazy, very difficult to get into acting world. I should have said that, but if you're an American <laughs> in LA, maybe you should move to Vancouver. Please cut that out. because. <laughs> anyway, we have the worst COVID. We have the worst COVID situation in the world right now. You couldn't enter here if you tried, so beat that. Right. <laughs> it's nice to be good at something. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, pretending that Vancouver is Afghanistan must be a challenge as well. Like in that episode. Yes. <laughs> If you're referencing the arrow day of being on set that day, I basically listened to my CCR on my headphones of Run Through the Jungle and just watched a bunch of war movies that night and just kind of said to myself, hey, let's just go in the sandbox like a kid does and let's just be an astronaut or be a soldier and just mm. play with it. Didn't have any, this is how you hold the gun or this is how you walk. They just kind of threw me into the deep end of the pool and luckily... At least in my experience, from what I saw, that it came across as natural, especially because the character that I played in that, he was new to it. He was a recruit and he was nervous to go to war. He didn't want to have to do it. And that's where Dingle takes him on as a mentor. So I had to find that balance of not being too overly confident with it. So he seems like he's kind of fresh and also being, he went through military standard training. I remember the episode really well. It was a really good episode. It was when Dingle was off doing his soul searching or whatever and then got framed and stuff and yeah well your character's death is what gets him framed so that's important i remember in that scene where they shot me if you rewatch it i have the biggest double chin in the world <laughs> I, I went down like and it, i just hated the way i died but whatever a little easter egg if you want to check it out see a big double chin i like it was like yeah anyway <laughs> I'm sure nobody noticed. You'll just be more critical of yourself than others, will we? I tend to be very, yeah, I, I have a very difficult time watching myself on the camera, for sure. <laughs> it makes me kind of queasy. So what's it like pretending to be shot and killed? What went into filming that death scene? What went into it was a lot of me running up to the director beforehand saying, are we sure we want to do this? Maybe he lives. Maybe he doesn't die. Maybe he joins Team Arrow. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he joins Team Arrow. I'm kind of like all holding guns and done all these crazy scenes. And I'm thinking, hey, I'd like to continue doing this for a living. This isn't so bad. This is actually pretty freaking cool. I'm in a real life comic book. And the director's like, yeah, you're going to die. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what went into it. And then in terms of what it's like to be shot, it does kind of feel like a paintball because they put these pressure things on you. I don't really know what they are, but they're like these pads that have this kind of like a, a remote control that goes to them. And then when the person who's monitoring the guy that shoots you with the blank, he presses the button at the same time. And this air, this pressurized pocket just goes boom, and it explodes on you. It ripped the clothing off of me. It doesn't go inwards, it shoots mm -hmm. outwards. And it rips the clothing and it feels like a big boom on you. It's not a freaking gunshot. Is <laughs> In an actor's world, it's as close as you're going to get to feeling that experience if you will of getting shot and dying and then the rest you just have to be a thespitarian <laughs> jump into that <laughs> thespian just have to pretend that you're dying and then hope for the best basically hope for the best hope that in the next episode you find out that he didn't die that's what i was hoping i was hoping that the writers would be like but he's not dead <laughs> that never happened though so yeah unfortunately i'll never be on arrow again i don't even think arrow's still going is it no it's finished it's finished yeah I got to catch up with it. You could be on Flash. You could be on Superman. You could be on whatever. Yeah. 
Personally, I love those kind of shows, but I'm a hipster. I've seen so many movies now. I'm like a hipster. I'd like to do something like Into the Wild, directed by Sean Penn, or Lost in Translation with Scarlett Johansson by Sofia Coppola. I love those kind of, or like the Grand Budapest Hotel, like a Wes Anderson film. I love those kind of movies. But unfortunately, my look is that uh, very CW look. Wherever the road takes me, I'll, I'll take it. Getting stuck on the CW is no bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. No, you can't. Most of the shows I watch are on that network, so <laughs> I'm not yeah. complaining. And set in the same universe, but that's another story. I like the comics. I remember when I was younger, I would watch all of those different Spider-Man things. I was really big into Marvel and... I loved the X-Men. So if I end up getting an opportunity to get a script where I can audition for some sort of show like that, I'm, I've done a few of those auditions. I've been pretty close, but those CW shows so far are the majority of what I've done. Most of it's been like Lifetime and Hallmark and horror films. And did you meet the rest of the Arrow cast while you were on set or were you kind of separated off in the whole Afghanistan section? That's a good question. I thought I was going to meet the lead dude. What's his name? He's Stephen Amell. Yeah, I was really hoping I was going to meet him, but I didn't get to. It was just David Paul Ramsey and this guy that shot me, who was really cool. What was the coolest part, I suppose, about that is that when I wasn't filming, because acting is a lot of hurry up and go or hurry up and wait. There are times when they're setting up shot and it could be like two hours of you sitting there and you're still on the clock of getting paid, which is cool, but you get anxious because sometimes you've got all this adrenaline before scene. It's kind of like if you've been studying for a test and they're like, oh, the test is in two hours. You're kind of just like, oh, I just want to write the test now. <laughs> like you have it. You're just ready to go. I took the time to go sneak into all the sets in the studio. I wasn't supposed to. It was like Disneyland or like going into Universal Studios. I snuck into all of their cool bunkers and stuff and their headquarters and I saw all the costumes that they have like the arrow and stuff went for my own little private tour nice I posted it on my snapchat and on my story which could have been pretty <laughs> silly you have to do it though when are you ever going to get that opportunity you have to do it I just took it I didn't get the opportunity yeah. in the sense that it was given to me I just took it I was just like there's no way I'm going to sit here for two hours without going and check out that set so that was fun and then they didn't do anything to you so you're fine it was fine. I am fine. Yeah, I'm still alive. So that's good. Let's talk about your latest project. I haven't seen Stalker's Prey 2 or Predator Returns. It hasn't been on yet as we're talking. So just yeah. talk to me about this franchise. You play, as you said earlier, a serial killer. The description says that you're a killer and shark obsessive. And the fact you're called Bruce, that can't be a coincidence. <laughs> that's one of the little fun cheesy hidden gems of the movie. It's a fun movie. So the reason it's Stalker Spray 2 is because the first one came out on Lifetime, which is a big network. Lifetime is owned by Disney and a and I think it's like 93.8 million households that subscribe to the network. So when I, when I found out I got this part, I was like, whoa, that's pretty nuts. And plus, I love the character because he's a lot like me in real life. And like, I'm always dealing with heartbreaks over my exes and he's totally heartbroken like me. Plus... He's infatuated with sharks. Right before this movie, I was raising awareness for the finning of sharks because they're being illegally finned for their fins all over the world for shark fin soup. It's a long story, but hundreds of millions of them, 100 million actually, to be precise, you can search it up, are dying every year across the Pacific and the Atlantic for their fins which is just destroying the ecosystem. And the guy loves sharks. I love sharks. The only thing that makes this different is he murders and I don't. But uh, <laughs> the first movie came out on Lifetime and it did really well. 
And then three years later, Lifetime was like, hey, let's make the same movie, but with a different guy. It's like I was reincarnated. It's, it's like a different Batman or a new James Bond took the role. And it's almost like a remake. So I hate it when people say Stalker's Prey too. I like to call it the new Stalker's Prey because it, it had more of a better quality. And so Lifetime named it A Predator's Obsession. Stalker's Prey Yeah, I saw that. It was like an alternate title. Yeah, so it's kind of like a remake, but it slightly follows the storyline from the original one. But if you didn't watch the original, which you should, because it's a very good movie, it explains everything from the second one as if it's starting from square one. It's like this new guy, but it's the same guy. New actor, I mean. And it's fun. It's a guy that's heartbroken and in love, and it's, it starts out like The Notebook, and then he ends up just not winning this girl and just totally going nuts and killing people. And then the next one coming out, we shot again in Connecticut on the East Coast. I think about like five months, six months ago now is so much more intense. I just saw it the other day and it's so good. It's a lot better than the last one, but it's so much darker. I'm almost worried that it's going to typecast me now. I've done enough horror films and stuff that after this... The murder gets amplified a lot and there's a lot more intensity, but the actors who acted with me were just incredible. So it made the environment really lovely. It was a great, really professional place to be. And I'm really excited for it to come out. Give it a watch. I kid you not. Most people and actors like, hey, go watch my movie. And they're thinking in their mind, oh God, I don't want to watch your movie. But I recommend it. It's not a bad movie. The problem with Stalker's Prey 2, Predator's Obsession, was that at the very end of the movie, they raced into the CGI, so the sharks just look pretty atrocious. So is it kind of a slasher film or a mix of stuff? Or There's not a lot of information on IMDb about it. <laughs> I will put it to you in a nutshell. It's a guy whose dad is a senator, and he comes from a very good family. He seems like a totally normal dude. And he ends up losing his girlfriend in a car accident, and he just can't handle it. So he meets this new girl and he thinks that because he's just can't mentally handle the fact that she's dead, that that's Allison. And in his mind, he's like, no, 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 Allison's not dead. This is Allison. And at first, before he starts calling her Allison, she starts liking him back and they form a relationship. And then he starts getting weird. He starts calling her Allison. She's like, why are you calling me Allison? She leaves him. As soon as she leaves him, he starts stalking her more and more, going into her bedroom, like smelling her clothing and doing weird things. And then he starts doing crazy stuff like murdering her family and murdering her best friends and lots of slashery type stuff, feeding them to sharks. And yeah, so it was a bit of a darker character for sure. And what's it like preparing to be in the mindset of someone as psychotic as that, that kind of complex, psychotic mind of a serial killer? Honestly, because I don't want to sound like I'm one of those nerdy hipster actor dudes that's like a Joaquin Phoenix, but <laughs> I believe if you're going to be, if you have the opportunity to do something like that, then why not give it your all? So if I look at these great people like Heath Ledger, for example, they put themselves and they immerse themselves in that world. I kind of said, well, then why shouldn't I? I want to try to do what they do, even if, if, if it's half of what they've done. I'm going to give it 100%. So I would listen to really dark and heavy tones and sounds before I would go in like meditational shit that would apparently make you feel heavy. I would read through the text between me and my ex-girlfriend. I did a lot of the stuff to put myself in the character that way. I'd listen to heavy music, like heavy rock and stuff. I got really kind of like kooky 
And I slept like maybe three hours a day. I had huge circles under my eyes and I kind of went a little cuckoo, but it was good because at least I knew my lines. The longest you know your lines and your cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> I went the method route, but when I came back home, I was a little stuck in it. My parents thought I was totally weird. <laughs> it took me about a week to get out of that world. Because if you think about it, if you're doing like a month and a half of 15 to 17 hour work days every day of playing a psychotic dude, putting yourself through mental hell of hurting yourself emotionally and listening to dark music and just playing this character is kind of like Brian Cranston and breaking bad. Eventually it's like hypnosis. It's like, if you play enough piano for hours and hours and hours, if you're playing a really sad song, it's going to affect your mood. And it's funny because when the movie's over, it's just like, okay, we're done. Everyone's like, we're done. You're still in this weird kind of place. I'm not in it now. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's all past. <laughs> it's all past. Until the next one. Until There could be an actual because actually I'm not, I can't say anything. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers. The last one would have been filmed under the COVID banner. What was it like adapting to those kind of restrictions and getting back to work in that environment? Oh, gosh. If you have ever had one of those things stuck up your nose, you know, those things, COVID tests. Yeah. I haven't. I had to do this, oh, at least once every couple of days. They were sticking these things up your nose. You have to wear your mask, obviously, as COVID protocol. But as soon as the camera stops recording, all the crew wears their masks. If you're an actor, as soon as the camera stops recording, you're required to wear your mask, too. It's a sign of respect. I don't care how many COVID tests you've done. Everybody wears a mask. It was really strict, but in a good way. And it wasn't like on my day off, I could go to the mall or I could go get a burger at the restaurant you were kind of confined to your hotel because if you ended up getting COVID, you would affect the entire movie because nobody could work for two weeks of your isolation. So it was really controlled and I'd never been in an experience like that before. We were the only movie, let me put it to you this way, we were on the news. We were the only movie at that time to be filming in the entire North America on the East Coast. So there were oh. movies being shot in LA but we were the only film on the whole of the East Coast of the United States to be filming. And this was like six months ago. So it was really heavy duty COVID. There was no vaccines. No one knew what was going on. So it was a lot more strict at the time. I mean, if the alternative is not working, then the restrictions are a small price to pay, aren't they? And, but I imagine it must yeah. have slowed everything down a bit, just adapting to them. It did. The thing is... With half the crew, as I said, you don't have the luxury of having a 10-hour workday. We were going until 4 or 5 in the morning because everybody had to go into overdrive. The best thing about the fact that it was COVID, though, and having half the crew is that everybody in the crew wanted to be there because no one had any work. Everyone was quarantined. So as soon as people were like, hey, I can go actually work right now and wear a mask and get paid to do it and do what my job is, whether you're in the camera department or you're in the lighting or sound, people were like ready to go. So it was just kind of smaller setting of crew, but a really intense amount of pressure on everybody to get it done in the period of time that we had to get it done. But I loved it. Other than that, other than wearing a mask, it was like shooting any other movies. It, it was a really cool experience. A little bit of normality when there wasn't a lot of normality. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I think it's definitely crazy times we're living in. I hear over there in the United Kingdom, and in and, and, and Scotland, that COVID has gone down considerably. So people are starting yeah. to go out now, and that's good. Yeah, I've got my first dose on the 5th of June. 
that's my first dose of the vaccine. Oh, congratulations. I already had COVID, so I don't think I need to get the vaccine. So <laughs> thank God I have the antibody. I couldn't smell anything for about two weeks. And I remember, because I'm at my house here in the countryside, it's just like across the way from my house in the city there. I was just like this house because it's like a hundred years old. And I knew I had COVID, but I didn't know about the scent thing. I'm in the shower and the shower head's like down to here. So I have to crouch and everything's old. I'm using this bar of soap and I'm like, God, everything in this house is so old. Even the soap doesn't smell like anything. And then I I went to the grocery store and I brought all this food. I'm thinking, it's so interesting. Usually when I have like a rotisserie chicken in the back, I could smell it in the back of the car. Something's wrong. And I came back to the house and I sprayed some axe or something like that. It smelled like water. And I was like, oh, now I know. You definitely have COVID. Oh, that's unfortunate. It's gone now. So <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good. It's good that it passed and you recovered. Then you can smell yes. again because that's important. I can smell again. That meant not having my sense of smell took away half of my taste. So I mm-hmm. couldn't really taste anything. It's a lot of salt and cayenne. So I was pretty bloated. I had a, like I was <laughs> eating double the salt than one should to get the flavor into things. <laughs> anyway. So what's next for you? What's your next project? What kind of things have you got your eye on? Right now, I've got Predator Returns coming out on Lifetime. After that, it's going to go to Apple TV and Amazon and all that kind of stuff. I really hope that you watch it and enjoy it. If you do, if you know my email, let me know what you think. And then right now, I am writing and producing. So I've raised some cash to produce a movie about a guy by the name of Robert Picton which is going to be a two-year process in the making. I don't want to just like make some movie. It's going to be one of my first projects, so I don't want to just throw it out there as a first project to get to the second one to make that one good. I want to put a lot of energy into this because I'm pretty interested in the story. It's about a guy that, yeah, here we go, another horror film. He was a serial killer. From where I'm from in Vancouver, he admitted up to 49 women. And it was all about how the drug trade was happening at the time and women were missing. And there's just so much. It's like a CSI meets a pig farmer. He was a pig farmer. He would feed these, um, sadly, these women to the pigs. And then he would sell the pigs to the meat factories. So the people were eating the pigs that the women were fed to. Plus, you had the worst heroin epidemic in the world at the time in Vancouver. So the police didn't know if people were missing because of overdoses or they were missing because this murderer for the past 30 years, who was a millionaire because he had all this land that he owned, had free range to just kill. So I'm putting that together. That's what I'm working on. More horror. Maybe that's what my path is, just the darkness. Are you planning to star in this one or find someone else? I don't think so. Maybe. I'd like to direct it. I'm writing it right now and I'm producing it. I'm raising all the capital and I've raised a lot of money so far, but I'm not sure if I want to act in another. If I put myself in my own movie and it's a horror film after all of this gory stuff that I've done, I think for the rest of my life, casting is just going to be like, hey, that's our horror guy. There's our scary dude. So yeah. <laughs> maybe like a, a cheesy romance movie would be nice. Like how to lose a guy in 10 days. One of those stupid movies. So yeah, maybe <laughs> I'd need one of those happy or like, like a Talladega Nights would be fun. Ricky Bobby. I'd love to act in one of those Will Ferrell movies. So last question is one we ask. It's a superhero nerdy science fiction-ish podcast. So if you could have any superpower what would it be and why? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with invisibility simply because if I'm at an airport, I just hate the security line. I'd like to just <laughs> go through, never have to worry about being patted down. So that's what I do. 
That's an interesting one. Yeah, invisibility would be cool. What about you? What would you like? I've always wanted to have speed. Speed, like super fast, like the yeah. lightning. Yeah. yeah, just get away. Yeah, so I can be places instantly, write quickly, let my brain work quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the red hot chili peppers. Get it away, get it away, get it away, get it away now. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be the flat, yeah. essentially. But I wouldn't help anybody. Sick. I'd just kind of run around and suit myself. Rob Banks. <laughs> I don't know if I'd rob Banks. You wouldn't be the bad guy? No. I'm too lazy to be no. the bad guy. I think I would just <laughs> yeah. do whatever. I'd just, yeah, I need to be here in two minutes, and then I would be. I'd be there with one minute, gotcha. 45 seconds to see. So spare. you don't like transportation? Yeah, I don't like waiting gotcha. for stuff. I can't stand it either. I'm with you. I might take the speed over the invisibility because the invisibility means you still have to wait on the nine hour flight over to Scotland. Yeah. If you could run that fast, I think water would be like concrete. So I think yeah. you could make your way across pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, I like being on a long train journey and watching things or something, you know, just reading or whatever, just taking time. But yeah, when I need to be somewhere, I just want to be there. You mean like one of those beautiful train rides through uh, the Swiss Alps, like, you know, with the wolves and stuff like oh, that'd be amazing. Christmas. Yeah. I love that stuff too. Yeah, I'm so happy about that. So thanks very much for taking the time to come on and talk about your career, your life and everything in between. It's been great speaking to you. It's been great meeting you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And I really hope your writing and producing and possibly directing project takes off. I hope to see you in more out of air stuff, perhaps. It's been long enough. You could turn up as a different person. It happens. I think it's about time. I think I want to go into the romantic world. Maybe if I'm lucky, I will find my castmate will be single, like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And that's where I'll find my true love. That's where I'm hoping one day. So I don't have to be this heartbroken, gloomy guy. In all these movies <laughs> Thank you for having me. Keep my fingers crossed for you there. But yeah, thanks for coming Keep on. Keep crossed. Been- been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. That was my chat with Houston Stevenson. I'd like to once again wish him all the best with his future projects. I really do hope he succeeds in everything he's working on. If you like what you heard, then don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. Apple users, please do leave us a star rating and a review. If you want to discuss this interview or anything else, then you can find us on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, I hope you'll join us next time on Neil Before Pod.